Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs and I've been in business since 1994. The business of personal training and trying to help to get everybody to love being healthier and fit. It's a great feeling to me. Something I have control over, you know, something I can do every day to make myself feel better. Fitness really, really matters. All right. I hope you enjoy today's podcast, which I will get to in just one second. But first, I want to thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow. And they're absolute professionals. I know them personally. I vouch for them. They literally have education in the field. Jonathan graduated from Florida State with a degree in real estate and finance. And Lynn has her MBA. I think that's really, really important. True professionals. All right. I will put their contact information in the show notes. All right. So today's topic is about technology, wearables, and what are the latest trends in fitness and projected trends. All right. Years ago, when I used to write articles for Florida running and triathlon, I wrote an article called gadgets. So this must be something that I like to talk about a little bit because this had been 10 years ago. And I remember it got a lot of, a uh, lot of attention, you know, some good and some bad. And that is the best kind, right? So when I say bad, it means people would not really like my response to gadgets. And that article was all about, you know, different types of technology people were using to make their running and biking faster, which there's nothing wrong with. It's just, it shouldn't replace hard work and fitness. And what are people really trying to accomplish when they do that? So, you know, some people like their gadgets, but anyway, I'm back to the topic a little bit, but I'm more or less talking about trends. All right. So in any industry, we have trends and fads and then constancy. All right. So a constancy in physical fitness would be gyms, would be personal training. It's been around for 30 years, you would say, or longer. You would say, <laughs> I've been doing it for 30 years, so it's been around before me. Um, there's yoga. There's things like that. There's cycling. There's running. Those are all pretty much constants, right? They're just things that are a part of our culture. Then the next best thing would be trends, and that's what I'm going to look at today. And trends can become constancies if they stick around long enough. And basically, they're just the way fitness, and that's what I'm keeping this to, fitness is trendy, all right? fads we don't like so much, right? Fads mean they're kind of like, this is the hot thing. Um, usually fads are kind of silly and goofy. And occasionally fads move into trends, which may move into constancy. All right. So I'm going to give you some of the trends that I found kind of interesting. And I'm going to focus on the good old United States because that's where I happen to live. And I do have listeners in Europe and other parts of the world, which is pretty cool. So uh, not meaning to discount them whatsoever. Their trends are pretty similar to ours, but the one thing that jumps out at me, to me, 
is the projected trend in the United States for fitness for 2023 is wearable technology. So those will be things like Apple watches, Garmin watches, things you wear to help you with your fitness. That's number one. Compare that to Spain. Number one is a functional fitness training. I'm literally looking at these notes right here. Compare that to Portugal and that's licensure for fitness. That's pretty cool. I wish we did have that here in more states. Currently, the United States have seven states that have licensure for personal training. I'm a advocate for that. Um, in Mexico, it's exercise and weight loss programs. In Europe, as I mentioned, it's body weight training is number one. They list five. I'm giving you number one. In uh, Brazil, personal training is number one. In Australia, programs for older adults. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is you can kind of look at like what the priorities seem to be by looking at the number one trends, right? So like if we look at Portugal, it was licensing. If we look at Australia, it was senior fitness. If we look at um, the United States, it's wearables. If you look at Europe, it's Body weight training, I believe that's what I said, right? Body weight training, I know that was up there for them. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting to look at. Now I'm going to give you the uh, top five for 2023 for the U.S. So number one is wearable, as I said. Number two is strength training using free weights. Number three is body weight training. Number four is fitness programs for older adults. And then number five is Outdoors, getting back outdoors. All right. Now, if we compare this to 2021, and I go to 2021 for a reason, number one was online training. All right. So why? I mean, so we were looking at like COVID, right? I mean, we were looking at it in 2020, 2021. Uh, we were still looking at COVID. So you can see that like trending was more online programs. And I have to admit, I started doing some remote training in those days because a lot of people were not leaving their house. So we were doing workouts literally from the computer or on FaceTime. And then Peloton really was kicking off and starting to peak around then. So I could see why that was a huge trend. All right. So wearable and gadgets. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like none of those things are bad. All right. So I use an Apple watch, um, I, when I first got it, literally my first one, I've had two now, I got for probably the same reason everybody else did, which was not really fitness oriented, but more you could text and you could use maps and you could talk into it and look like James Bond. So like when they first came out, I, my daughter got one first. She won one at school, which I thought was pretty cool for something she did. And I don't remember, but it was pretty cool. Our project or something. Uh, I don't remember, but she won one and I thought it was pretty nice. And then shortly after that, I got one so we can kind of like be like twinsies and use our Apple watches and wasn't really using it for fitness, although it did have some pretty cool fitness stuff on there, mostly GPS. Now I have one again, but it's mostly for fitness. But honestly, if I didn't exercise outdoors, I probably wouldn't have one. So I literally use it for like the speedometer for when I'm cycling Although I could go without that, yes, it is nice to know 
I do it for pace and distance when I run. But if I wasn't training outdoors, I don't know that I would use one really. Maybe. I don't think I would go out of my way for one though. So uh, I really use my wearable for the GPS function, which has improved through the years. And the heart rate function has improved through the years. The first one, the heart rate was just bad. Like I would look down and it would say something like 55 while I'm exercising. Then it would say 180 and then it would go around 80. And, you know, it just wasn't very good. But this one seems to be a little bit better. Although the heart rate functions on these things is never perfect. All right. So anyway, um, but besides the wearables, let's look at some of these other things that I constantly see out there and let's talk about them a little bit. So recently it was maybe a couple days ago, I was on Instagram making a post and an ad comes up because, you know, I make fitness posts. So the types of ads I'm going to get are going to be more um, fitness based. And it was these grip things, right? And it was so silly. Like it was these grips that you can, they look like hooks, you know, like almost like a pirate's hooks and you could hook them to like a pull-up bar. And it showed a guy saying, I can now do pull-ups uh, and I'm, I'm not kidding you. And he hooked these hooks to a pull-up bar and he's holding the ends of the hooks like with handles. And then the hook parts went around the pull-ups. He says, you can use them for pull-ups. And I'm thinking, you could use your hands for pull-ups. Like, who's going to fall for that? Like, you can just jump up and grab the bar. Why is he putting these hooks around him? And then it said, oh, you can do inverted rows with these. And it showed somebody, you know, doing inverted rows, which basically is laying underneath like a barbell that's elevated off the ground. And it's like you're doing chin-ups, but your feet's down the ground. And we call those inverted rows. And I'm thinking, they can just grab the bar to do that. And then it showed the guy or the girl doing bent-over rows where they're hooking it over the bar and uh, pulling the weight up to them like doing a row. And they're selling this. It's this great thing, you know. And I'm like, what are you doing? So here's what I want everybody to watch out for on things like this. So the obvious is you can do those exercises without that, right? I mean, you can grab the bar for any of those. You can grab the pull-up bar. You don't need the hooks, okay? But what you need to remember, and I know, you know, everybody doesn't know this, and it's fine. Buyer beware. Like I'm not bashing on capitalism here. Everybody's going to be out here trying to make a buck some way, some way, shape or form it. But you know, in my industry, which I take very, very, very serious, I like to give people the real deal. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with making an honest buck. Okay. Like take my industry, you know, I'm a personal trainer. People pay me for my services. That is a win-win, right? The number one reason why people go to a personal trainer, by the way, is for accountability. That is number one. I've studied this over and over and over. So a lot of times people will say, well, you've been going to that trainer for years. And that's true with many, if not most of, if not all of my clients. They're very much long-term. I've had some that have trained with me since 1998 and they are still training with me. Okay. It's not because they don't know how to do the exercise. It's not because they're not motivated. It is because they want accountability. So a lot of times people say, well, why are you going to a trainer? You know what you're doing. It's, and I explain to people, I said, that's not, 
really why people go. I mean, number one is accountability. Number two is to be pushed. So there's nothing wrong with that. I'm here. You know, that's my end of it. I'm waiting. The door is open. Come on in. Let's get warming up. And then if I have a client that wants and needs to be pushed, I'm very good at that too. What do I get for those services? They pay me. I make a living. All right. So I'm contributing to society. I'm paying my bills. That is a win-win. There's nothing wrong with that. What I don't like is when I see products out there that are kind of like fooling people. And it's okay like if the marketing guy does it, you know, that's their job. But I don't like it when like true professionals or claim that they're true professionals. And most of them aren't, by the way, in these sales ads are out there selling things that really aren't true. So let me take like these new grip things that I've seen. All right. What their claim is that you can get a better contraction of the muscle using these grips. All right. It is simply not true. All right. Our physiology is a lot more complex and a lot more basic than that. All right. So like the number one way to get bigger muscles is to stimulate your muscles. And guess what? You can do that in many, many, many different ways. You can do that with a good old fashioned dumbbell. So let's take the example of the bent row that they showed this guy hooking the hooks over and doing rows with. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. You're not going to contract that muscle any better by using anything other than your arms. All right. Joint actions are what dictate the way that motions go. All right. Joint actions explain what muscles do. So, for example, joint actions for a bent over row. All right. One of them is simply elbow flexion. That is the elbow flexing, meaning shortening of the muscle, pulling upward, creating less of an arc between your radius and ulna and humerus. Okay, so those shorten. There's less of an arc. That's flexion of the elbow. The other one is retraction of the scapula. So that means that your scapula is coming closer together so your mid-back is working. And then the other one is shoulder extension. So you're actually bringing the humerus upward. So there's three actions of the row, of any kind of row. There's going to be three actions, whether it's a bent over row, a seated row, or a high row. It's going to be those three actions. If you contract them maximally, meaning with full focus and concentration, that's all you can do. There is no other way to stimulate it any deeper. So really building muscles is so simple, but people like to try to find all these little other ways to do it. And in reality, good old fashioned, keep it simple, stupid strength training is of course the best way to do it. And you don't need silly props to do it. You just don't. Another one I saw recently is this plank board. 
all right? And it claims that if you're on it and you move to a certain point, you're going to be stimulating a different portion of your transverse abdominals than if you weren't on it. All right. That simply is not true either. All right. So what I'm warning you about today is just save your money. I mean, save your money. Watch these claims, you know, save your money and buy good training if you need it. Like if you need accountability and need to be pushed, get a good trainer. Save your money, get a good gym membership. Save your money, maybe get some good dumbbells, some barbells, some machines, whatever. Save your money and get higher quality food. Because that's usually the biggest problem that we see. We'll see people like, you know, complain about their grocery bills, then go out and buy the most ridiculous things you can ever imagine. And then they become, you know, future garage sale material stuff, you know, or they're being given away somehow, some way. I mean, save your money on these gadgets. Really the only thing you need, good shoes, good sneakers, running shoes, whatever, good exercise clothes, and access to some good forms of resistance, whether they be dumbbells, barbells, machines, tubes, bands, or understanding how to use your body weight. There's no tricks or anything like that that can help. All right. Things that aren't considered these types of things, props or whatever. Gloves. Okay. That's not trying to cheat anything. All right. You might just simply be trying to save your hands. So I know many, and I'm not, you know, being sexist here. It's just been my experience. More women are more concerned about, you know, the way their hands look versus men. Women don't want these big old bulbous calluses as they get out there and they're professional women and they're shaking hands. They don't want that. Okay. So big deal. Gloves. There's absolutely nothing wrong with gloves. Sometimes gloves give you much better grip if you're doing pull-ups and things like that. That That's fine too. All right. So those things aren't like silly gadgets type things. Those are necessary. All right. Weight belts. Guess what? They're not really helpful. It studies have shown that like if you can't really lift the weight appropriately and keep your spine up as you're doing an exercise, then you should be strengthening those muscles versus putting on a belt. Now, I've had kids, high school kids, wear them. It gives them a sense of confidence. I don't have a problem with that as long as it's being explained to them that, you know, if this is giving you some form of confidence, great, but just know that the real deal is to strengthen that core and not rely upon it too much or else. And it really doesn't help that much, by the way, but don't mentally rely upon it because it may not be doing you much good if you have a weaker core. All right. So really gloves, your clothes, and there you go. Now, as far as the wearable watches, because this is what the, uh, the trend thing said, and I've got, again, no problem with it. If they motivate you, if they help you count your steps, if they allow you to send like information to your friends and challenge them, that's great. I don't really call that a prop or anything like that. And I believe it's a trend that's going to stay. I mean, wearables are going to stay. I mean, like I said, I have one. I've got no problem with that. I think it's going to be just a constant pretty soon. I mean, almost everybody has them. There's nothing wrong with that. And I really don't see them really misused and abused at all. So I don't see a problem with them at all. I would only caution people on a couple things with them. And it just has to do with the logarithms and the math. All right. 
as long as you understand that when you let's just use an Apple watch because I think they're the most um, popular they have some serious good scientists at Apple of course they do and I'm sure they have exercise scientists that help them build these watches and come up with all the, the formulas and stuff and they do a good job but there's only so much information they have and I know this because I'm an exercise physiologist so when they give you heart rate training zones those are based on age predicted heart rate zones that we've been using since, oh gosh, 60, 70 years. All right. Borg was the original. He came up with the RPE scale. So we're going back probably to him or maybe even further than that, but um, way, way, way back. And the best we have is 220 minus your age. And then there's other formulas, 210 minus half your age, all these different math formulas that have been around for a long time. That's called age-predicted maximum heart rate because most research shows, all research shows, I should say, you just can't measure it in all people, that your heart rate drops about one beat per year after the age of 20. So it's like, oh, okay. So that is absolutely true. All right. Here's the problem with that. Nobody truly knows where that maximum heart rate begins with all people. And studies have shown that 220 minus your age, the grand old formula that Apple watches use, Garmin use, everybody uses, is only 66% accurate. All right. So that means maybe you're part of that 66% where they nailed it or it's close. Close is good enough, really. Or you're part of that 34% where it's not accurate at all. Other studies have shown that it can be off standard deviation of 15 beats either direction. 15 beats. That means if it says your maximum heart rate is 200, it could actually be 215 or 185. That is a huge difference when you start multiplying that out by 60%, 70%, 80%, 90%, which they give you for your heart rate zones. All right? Is that bad? No, but it does mean that there's going to be some inaccuracy in those numbers. It's not the end of the world as long as you are aware of that. Like if you're exercising and you go, man, I feel like I'm barely doing anything. It says my heart rate's in zone four at 180 and I'm at zone four. It's like, okay, it's probably not accurate for you. You probably have a higher maximum heart rate than age predicted, you know, or it could be completely in the opposite direction. So just be aware of that. That's the one thing. And then the other thing to be aware of if you are a Apple Watch connoisseur is to just make sure that it's not 100% accurate on calories burned. Now, it's really good when it comes to your outdoor walks and runs because it's using a metabolic calculation that's been used forever for running and walking. They know that. Like they can take your weight with miles per hour over distance and pretty much tell you how many calories that you're burning. That is really, really accurate. But when you get on a bike, it doesn't know. Are you on a bike with one gear? Well, that's going to be a lot harder than if you're on an 18-speed, right? So if some guy's next to you and they're like barely breathing and they're cruising by at 20 miles an hour and they on this fancy bike and it says you guys are burning the same amount of calories, well, you're not. Because your watch doesn't take that into consideration. Some probably do but not your common Apple Watch. You'd have to program it that way. So as far as using it for the fitness component, just be aware of that. Other than that, it's good. It's got a lot of great qualities to it. Just be aware that you have to understand that it may not be 100% accurate in certain areas. Other than that, 
It's great. All right. What do you think should be the top 10 trend? Hmm. You know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really wishing there was a little bit more about uh, eating and uh, just the trend of everybody exercising. But hey, I dream big, right? All right. Let me thank our second sponsor, chiropractic physician, Dr. Doris Antos of Ormond Beach. Her office is on Granada, and we are doing an interview with her, I believe, next week and her associate, which is going to be cool. She's super in the fitness. She's great. We absolutely refer to her as a chiropractic physician, and I will put all of her information in the show notes. Until next time, be max fit, be max well.